Welcome to episode 35 of the Let Behind Game Club. This week, we play Vanquish. On Friday, June 29th, we celebrate our first anniversary of the show. Throughout the 35 episodes in the first year, we've learned so much. And at this time, Mo, Mike, and I just wanted to say thank you. Whether you've listened to one episode, all of our episodes, or any number in between, we just want to thank you for that. A lot of work goes into these shows, but we do it because we love it. And we hope you love it too. Now back to Vanquish. Sam Gideon sure knows how to get low. I love how low and how flexible and aerobat- uh, acrobatic your your character is, Sam. Uh, I, I thought um, you were going to say, I love how low he can go. He can go <laughs> down low, low all the go. way to the flow. He's got Literally, the apple bottom jeans and boots, boots with boots, the fur. Boots with the fur. <laughs> the whole club's looking at Sam. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend joining us for the magic of the internet is Mo Mertotti. Yeah, I'm right here. And our second friend sitting right in front of me, Michael Ruffalo. I'm excited to talk about a great game. Me too. Let's do that right now. Talking about Vanquish. Developed by Platinum Games, published by Sega in 2010. Uh, A PC port came out just last year in 2017. Um, Crazy to think it took that long. It's it took so long, but I'm glad they did it. You know why? This is a great video game. This is a great game. Yep. Mo, you want to join in the chorus? Um, yeah, it was a good game. It was a good game. Damn it, Mo. Damn it, Mo. So where do we start with uh, Shinji Mikami's Vanquish? Do we talk about the the pedigree of Mr. Shinji Mikami? I think we need to talk about the pedigree of Mr. Shinji Mikami. Okay, Shinji Mikami, tell me more. So for those who don't know who Shinji Mikami is... Shinji Mikami? Shinji Mikami. One uh, more time! (laughs) Shinji Mikami. Shinji Mikami! Okay, you can tell Jacob went to radio broadcast school. (laughs) So Shinji Mikami is a long-standing Capcom employee... Uh, now I think his company is Tango Gameworks. Yep. Currently owned by Zenimax Media, which is the company that owns Bethesda. Um, his most recent game is The Evil Within, I think, too. Uh, but he came to fame uh, from creating the Resident Evil series. He made Resident Evil 1, I think Resident Evil 2, and came back for Resident Evil 4, uh, which was a, a seminal landmark game in the third-person shooter genre. Um, on top of that, he is credited as a producer and director in a variety of games, uh, including... Let me run help. down some of those yeah. for you. So God Hand, he was a director. Shadows of the Damned, which was done by Grasshopper Manufacture. Uh, he was the producer on that game. Uh, he also was involved in PNO3, uh, which was a GameCube title that uh, kind of evokes a lot of what yes. is done here. So he's got like a wild pedigree spiritual successor across Capcom Clover Platinum Grasshopper and now Tango Gameworks yes and so he's a well-regarded uh Japanese uh producer developer game designer uh and this was I think the one of the first games that Platinum Games did and Platinum was a studio that formed off of I believe ex-Clover devs uh who are ex-Capcom developers who went independent uh and got a variety of really good games published very quickly from a variety of other publishers. Uh, They were very frustrated with the Capcom model and and moved on 
uh, to working with a wide variety. Yep. So they made like Bayonetta. They made uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, Revengeance, the one that featured Raiden, which was a um, character action game. Mm-hmm. They made Wonderful 101 on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Uh, their pedigree is just great. Guys, guys, I'm completely... So I... for uh, There was a thing inside of me saying, man, this game plays just like Metal Gear Rising. Almost the exact same <laughs> game as Metal Gear Rising. But I'm like, no, no. I'm just like... I'm just... Uh, uh, putting everything in the same box. It came from Japan. It came from Capcom. Uh, sorry, from uh, Konami. It's not a Metal Gear Solid game. And then, literally, word for word, Jacob, you're telling me it was Metal Gear Rising that they made before. This game is a twin. I swear, it's a twin. <laughs> this game is super anime. In yeah. in the best ways and the worst. In ways. the best and worst ways. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Here, let me give you guys a visual. So before we we should get into the actual game itself, but. The first thing I noticed when we started the game, you know the big brute guy that's with you the entire time? I can't remember his Lieutenant name. Lieutenant Colonel Burns? Him. Robert that's, Burns. That's just buff, tall uh, uh, snake. Literally <laughs> buff, tall snake. Sounds like him, has the same scars as him, talks like him, and has the same like little attitude as him. It's it's mm-hmm. it's They took a lot of that from... Uh, I, I agree Rising. with you, Mo, but before we get into uh, one of the classic characters of the game, let's kind of just set up what this game is. Jacob, what is this game? Uh, so... Let's start by talking about the tutorial, which happens before the story. The tutorial is great. I just want to say that it literally sets out everything you need to know about the game in like a very succinct package where it's like, hey, learn this, learn this, learn this, learn this. Great. Go ahead. And then they drop you into the story about how uh, we have overpopulated the earth and we've now gone to a space colony, which uses like solar energy microwaves to generate power. I think it's like a precursor to the Dyson sphere. I don't know what that is. It's it's uh, this concept of uh, future societies creating a shell around the sun mm-hmm. to uh, absorb all of its energy and essentially make perpetual energy. Is it a concept? Is it part of a story? Like how it's a it's a it's a theoretical physics sci fi idea. I think it's Dyson shown up in... Sphere. Sp- yeah, yes, Dyson Sphere, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm going to look this up later because yes. now I'm very curious. But just so we can get some visuals as to what this game looks like. Uh, if you were to mash two games, boys, what would you mash together? Oh, I got it. I got it completely. Yes, go. It's Metal Gear Rising and Gears of War. Okay, I'm I'm almost there. Jacob? Gears of War is part of it. Yes. Um, But I think it's like... It's it's Raiden from Metal Gear Solid and then Halo. Gears of War. Riding from Metal Gear Solid and Gears of War. Okay, you guys are really on that Metal Gear Rising front. It's, it was identical, man. I, it felt like it. I'm on the kick of it's a Devil May Cry game with Gears of War. Mm. So it's got a lot of this, you know, combo, uh, a lot of a lot of shooting, but it's very much in the vein of Gears of War. Of it's a third person shooter with using the D pad to select different weapons, hiding behind cover, popping out for trick shots, slowing down time. Uh, Special reload sequences, things like that. Okay, let's be real. The only reason we think it's Gears of War is because of Buff Snake. He has wearing that <laughs> giant armor. If you guys, when you guys you play this game, like if you did look like Marcus Phoenix. Sam, Marcus Phoenix get over here. Yeah. Sounds just like him too. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, it was the Buff armor made it completely Gears. Uh, sorry, Gears of War esque. Great. So now that everyone has a concept in their mind of what this game is looking like. Jacob, walk us through what happens after the tutorial. 
Uh, so I've mentioned that first part about you know us colonizing this this Dyson sphere inspired uh, microwave solar energy thing, mm-hmm. and then we discover kind of in the background that Russia has been overtaken by the military. So the Order of the Russian Sun or something like that. That's yeah, the organization that's creative. Zaitsev is the guy who creates this coup, takes over Russia, and then takes control of this microwave, shoots it at San Francisco, and basically annihilates and kills everyone in San Francisco. In a very gruesome cutscene where uh-huh. you see people's blood literally boil and they burst. <laughs> it was uh, extremely gruesome. Mo, any thoughts? Uh, I couldn't follow along the story. I didn't know. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, the first thing I thought I of when we first started it? No, because once they like destroy, they, uh, when Russia gets like attacks, the first thing I thought of was, wow, this is like the most biggest like America game I've ever seen in my life. Where it's all like we're gonna take them down, Marines. Let's go, hooah! Let's go. That's nonstop. The first little bit sequence, which is kind of like not you even playing. You're just kind of watching this clip. It's all about you are America. You're the best in the world. Let's go take down Russia. And that's what I thought of the story. We're, we're fighting just to destroy Russia. That's all I got until the very end when I kind of connected some dots. Mm-hmm. And your president, uh, the president who's a woman in this one, who's like the only female lead in the whole game. We'll touch on that later or I'll touch on that later. Um, she sends the military in and she sends Sam Gideon, who's this like DARPA experiment, who's got this crazy arm armor on. Yeah, so he is a... <laughs> In, in between loading screens, you get these extremely long, detailed bios on these people. And I believe he was a former professional football player. Yep. Uh, and Much like Gears of War with Dom. <laughs> much, was it Dom or was it... No, uh, it's the, the, the train. The coal train. The coal train was a football player. Coal train. Mm-hmm. The coal train coming through, baby. <laughs> Woo! Uh, <laughs> so what, what you find is Sam, who I believe works for DARPA... Um, is the prototypical Marine who is supposed to be testing out the suit, which is what the training se- sequence is, which gives you a good idea of how this works and, and you know what the controls of the game are. And then you're paired with, I believe her name is Elena? Elena Otacon. Iv- Ivanova. You're partnered with Otacon. That's who you're partnered with, but it's a girl. <laughs> uh, maybe this is a good time to confess I've played like one Metal Gear game. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, well, Otacon is the like, the yeah the 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 Ivana of this game. Yes. Doesn't he okay. pee himself at one point? He pees himself. Who does? That's all I know about Otacon. <laughs> is he urinates? Anyway, all I know yeah, all I know about Otacon is if you say his name, you have to say it like Snake Otacon. That's it. That's all you gotta say. <laughs> snake. Snake. Okay. Okay. No more Let me also just mention that one of the things in this game that drove me up a wall, and it shouldn't have, but it did was similar to Metal Gear when there are interstitial cutscenes uh, and it has the person who's talking face appear on screen. Uh, it has as if there's a camera in front of them where they're talking uh, and you can see their mouth moving and stuff. But you can see often Lieutenant Colonel Burns <laughs> right in front of you with no camera yeah. in front of him. And yeah, also, no. you're very aware that in this moment, your character has his full visor on and his face is covered. And you're like, there's no way they see his whole head. And they're you don't able to, think to of th- that. Don't destroy our world, I, Michael. It I, all makes sense. I know, I know I'm being extremely nitpicky, but it really took me out of it for, for a minute. <laughs> Where's I, the camera? Yeah. Where, where is it? Yeah. At least I know that in Metal Gear, it's just like, here's a picture of the person that's talking and we're just going to put that up while they're talking it might not actually be a photo of them live <laughs> yeah. no that's funny they actually this is kind of off topic but they, they did the similar 
like parody of that for the first Avengers movie because they're all talking to each other as if they have headsets on, but no one has a single earpiece on, <laughs> and they're all like talking to each other while they're fighting. Like it's the exact similar thing. Like, yeah. what are you talking into, man? There's nothing there. Now I want to make one comment about the interstitials between kind of giving the character detail. So I played the game on Xbox One. Uh, the game just recently became backwards compatible. You put in the Xbox 360 disc, you get to play on your Xbox One. It was a game that was free with gold. Recently. 100%. So everyone has the opportunity to play this wonderful game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they've done is they've actually improved the load times. So because of that improvement at load times, which are lightning quick, extremely fast, you can barely read. <laughs> did you play it on Xbox 360? I did. Xbox I, pl- One I well? played it on the Xbox One mm-hmm. using the backwards compatibility. And Mo, how did you play it? I paid full price for this game, like $22. <laughs> Not realizing that the summer Steam sale was coming up like two or three days afterwards and it was going to be like four bucks. So I think I suffered because the last game we played, I like played a bootleg copy. So now I paid full price for a game and struggled on PC with Steam. And so Mo, where did you find out that it went on sale? Oh, our awesome, incredible, community-packed, action-packed Discord channel that you can find on leftbehindgame.club. And it's great at giving you those moments of regret when you're like, oh, man, I just bought this game and now it's like a dollar. You know, we pull, oh. we call that we call that pulling a Kevin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, but literally you, the, 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 the same thing can happen, but the complete opposite. You'd be like, oh, I really want this game and not realize, oh, it just dropped on sale or someone found it on Humble or something like that. And that's happened to me a couple times, too, where I was able to snag a good deal. So if you aren't on our Discord channel, jump on board and let's chat. Mm hmm. Too many marketplaces. Too many places. Okay, mm-hmm. back to the game. Yep. So should we just jump into like how this game plays? Because we haven't really talked about like, what is this game? Yeah, it's true. It's a third-person shooter Rock with rocket sliding. It's real quick. It's real agile. Shoots real fast. Enemies are big. Robots, I pretty much described it, right? It is extremely fast. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I love about this game. It makes you feel like the strongest, most incredible person on earth. Um, and it looks visually amazing. So you're, you're just rocket sliding. It doesn't matter whether there's enemies around. You go down on your knees and these rockets pop out and you're just shot forward as fast as you can. And it was one of my favorite things when I wasn't in combat to just rocket around the whole map without, uh, without any enemies trying to, trying to kill me and just enjoying the maneuverability of it all. The backflips that you do are insane. The thing is, though, I, I don't know about you guys, but I completely traversed the entire map just by power sliding. <laughs> I didn't I didn't walk, I didn't run, I was power sliding, power sliding. Unless I had no energy and you couldn't use it, I'd be doing like those jumps and flips and rolls. Mm-hmm. But there was no point where you could see me actually walking normally like a person. That exoskeleton, use it to full, full force. I think one of the very first things people learn in this game or to, to get through it is how to manage your uh, energy reactor and know how to slide and wait for a second to recover and continue to slide so that way you don't overheat. Uh, because one of the mechanics in the game is that while you're an insane soldier with this essentially nuclear core baked into your suit, um, you can overheat if you get shot too much and if you use your powers too much. So one of the things that you really need to learn is how to manage and conserve that energy and, and make sure you're hiding so you're not taking shots all the time uh, and knowing when to use uh, the, the different mechanics and tools that you have at your disposal. Yeah, the thing I didn't like, though, so it, it, whenever you use, like, a melee attack, you completely used up all of your, like, power suit, and you're almost vulnerable for the next, what, 5, 10 seconds, guys? I thought that mm-hmm. was a complete... I, I, I didn't use the melee attacks as often as maybe I you're supposed to, so I don't know how really strong they are versus the average Joe, but 
Some of the guys were easy to tear down with like any of the guns. So, well, did you guys even use it at all? And what did you I think, care? What I think I loved about the melee attack is there was like a, a real like trade off in that like usually a, a melee attack would kill someone, but at the same time, like you said, you're using up your whole energy gauge and leaving yourself exposed for at least ten seconds. So it's this trade off of am I going to use it now? Do I need it right now? And like I learned that delicate balance mm-hmm. of like conserving my energy meter, but also using the melee attack only when I had to. Definitely, and and especially because you know that it's a, a guaranteed kill. Uh, the situations that I used it the most is when I was up close to a variety of enemies and I just used every single bullet in the two guns that I was cycling through, uh, which for me, the two weapons that I used the most were the assault rifle and the machine gun. And as soon as the ammo was uh, done on all of those, instead of reloading, I just do a very quick melee attack and then get into cover. Um, did you guys uh, know that... Well, depending on which weapon you had like holstered or available, it was a different melee attack that you're able to let go. So like an uppercut, yes. a back kick, like a side kick. The disc was gun like was that. the best. I, I didn't really use the melee weapons as much, but did you wait? Did you just say the disc gun was the, the best? The disc gun for melee attacks oh, okay. was a crazy. Okay, because you essentially I hated have a chainsaw it. in your hand like Gears of War. Yeah, no, I really huh. didn't like the disc weapon at all. I, and you found it everywhere, I felt, because I didn't want to use it. It was one of the most available. So, that, so that, let's, if we're going to get into the guns, let's just start with that one. That one was essentially a Nerf gun, like ones you used to buy from like Walmart, <laughs> but it shot like chainsaw oh, no. discs. Chainsaw discs. That's the best way you can describe it. A big, giant chainsaw disc. That's the, the and gun you, And you compared it to a Nerf gun because you didn't find that it did much damage? Exactly. Yes, 100%. So I think one of the things to point out in this game is that every gun is essentially useless until you start to upgrade it. Yeah. Uh, the assault rifle is maybe the only effective weapon at the beginning. Even the machine gun, which I found I relied on quite a bit at the end, yep. which is very powerful at the beginning, just sucks because its bullet spread is huge. Uh, when it hits people, they aren't the most powerful. You'd much rather have a very concise small burst with your assault rifle. I found the sniper rifle is okay, too, at the beginning. Because, yeah. But you had to be behind cover and you couldn't use the Vanquish style yeah. combat to get there. It's a strong sniper and it's yeah. got a good scope. So the, the downside though was the 10 uh, ammo that you had. So you take out 10 enemies. Some rounds had like 40 enemies. So good luck using that the whole time. So I kind of didn't use it as much until later on. I'm like, hey, this might be something I need like for some bigger guys. So on that, I, I totally agree that a lot of these weapons, especially in their earlier forms, completely suck. Um but I found that as you upgrade these weapons, and there's a real balance to figuring out what you upgrade and, and how you do it and when, um, they become extremely strong and extremely powerful and very useful in a variety of situations. And the, the way that you upgrade your weapons is one, by having full ammo and going to pick up another version of that weapon. And the second is in the middle of battle when you complete specific areas either it's killing a certain mini boss or picking up a wounded soldier they'll drop an upgrade token where when you run up and grab it it'll upgrade the weapon that you have currently selected did you guys ever like research which gun to upgrade like earlier on because with me whenever i play any of these games that have like upgradable weapons or abilities or powers as soon as i see that feature in a game i like pause my game jump on Google and I type in like the, I don't like I, I don't know what I type, something like power scaling or best weapon to upgrade. Yeah, best weapon to upgrade for X game. And uh, I definitely did that for this one. Did you guys take a look at all? 
I did not. No, I, I just kind of figured it out as I went. Uh, what I didn't realize at first was that that first upgrade path that you said, like, hey, if you find a fully, if your gun is fully loaded and you pick up a second one, I didn't realize that it upgraded until late in the game. Oh. So, like, I would actually conserve the machine gun because I went all assault rifle. Like, I went... Uh, 10 up because it's you can upgrade up to 10 times mm-hmm. um so i upgraded the assault rifle 10 times did the assault rifle maybe four or five maybe did two or three on the sniper i think one on the shotgun and that's about all i did mm-hmm. oh. uh but like yo that assault rifle is killer it's a great assault rifle i completely stopped using the assault rifle or assault rifle halfway through because i switched onto that heavy machine gun by the time wow. you got up to like five like stars i felt like i was unloading a lot there's lots of ammo it was readily available the other gun that I just absolutely adored was the lock-on laser. Even though it was so weak, so I just weak. loved the effect the effect of it. So that one, you pretty much, you, when you activate your trigger, it locks onto any as many enemies as you're able to shoot. I think it was like... I think it starts out at five. Is it four? Five, five, five rockets yeah. or so. And then as soon as you let go of the trigger, it launches trig- uh, rockets in the air and they hit them. But it was so weak. Even when you upgraded it. I think I got it almost fully maxed out. It wasn't that great, but I just loved the effect. See, it was, it was so one of the few that I did not upgrade much. Um, and I liked, like you said, Mo, I like the concept of it. I just didn't like in practice using it unless there were huge swarms of enemies in front of me and in the distance where I needed to just, you know, hide behind cover, pop out, mm-hmm. knock five at a time and then go back. That was exactly it for me. Whenever I got into like the next like big progression or a bunch of enemies were available, I, I usually had like up to like 50 rounds. So I fired it four or five times, and then I just completely tossed it away and moved on to the actual gun. It was like a way to soften up a lot of the people, because your guys start shooting at the bad guys too, so it was kind of like, let's soften up the crowd and let's progress a little bit quicker. Did you guys find that the Marines, when they were, spoilers, on your side, uh, were absolutely useless? Because I found that they were useless. Did Yes, and did does actually reviving them do anything? Because I did it all the time, but I never felt like anything happened. It gives you special uh, either new weapons or upgrade tokens. Um, oh, okay. So it, it's a good way to, I think, get extra XP, uh, get an upgrade, or get a refresh on any of the weapons that you might need, which is very helpful sometimes when you're in the middle of battle and there are no weapon refill stations around you. Yeah, what I appreciated about them is that they at least ducked when you, like, much like Ashley Williams in um, Resident Evil 4, when you aimed at your AI companions, they would actually duck out of the way, which was nice, because in some games that doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, Marine AI, pretty dumb. But, like, I was actually really surprised with how sophisticated the enemy AI could be. Definitely. Yeah, I thought thought they were smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were were very smart. Um, I thought they did a, a good job with the enemy AI. I just definitely found my when the Marines were on my side, they were essentially potatoes running around, uh, not able to do much. They were great meat bags. They were. Yeah, I def. I think I was shooting the vast majority of the, the AI like myself. I don't think I ever <laughs> seen them actually go down from the shots fired from the Marines. Did you guys use that LFE gun or whatever that Sonic shotgun? Hated it. Hated the life it. gun. Is that what it's called? Was it the LF- life gun or the LFE? I thought it was the LFE. I thought it was life. <laughs> it, it was probably LFE. Yeah, I think it was. That one was essentially like, it looked like an EMP it was, circle thing. It was like a ball of energy that yeah. you shot through Boom. the room. But it Boom. took down every big. Yes. Like it knocked them down, which was, a, I, I, some, there were some times when I didn't want to carry it because it had no real purpose. But the second you see one of those big guys, I'd run over across the map, pick it up, knock them down, unload like a heavy machine gun clip on them and then i was 
progressing. So I think that's a good segue into the different types of enemies in this game. So the the setup is that you're on this essential, essentially like massive weapon in space, and you're trying to to take it down before it's used on another American city, or as you find out later in the game, Moscow. Uh, and there are a variety of enemies that you face. There's the lower level, essentially grunts that are yep. red uh, androids or or robots um and then those grunts scale up in difficulty they change colors i think they go from uh, from red to blue to gold um and they become a little bit stronger in each progression and then there's different smaller specialties there's uh, a wall <laughs> that walks up plants uh plants a, a base that these smaller grunts can hide behind and occasionally it'll pop its head up and shoot a variety of uh, missiles at you. There are little roly polies like the droids from uh, Republic commando or star Wars that roll around, pop up and start shooting. And then we get into some of the bigger uh, types of enemies, which are, they kind of look like golems is, is what I would, that's a good description. That's a good description. Yeah, they're big golems. Sometimes they have flamethrowers attached. Sometimes they have big giant drill bits on their hands, like big daddies. Uh, oh, so- yeah, a good visual. If, if any Overwatch players, they're a bunch of Reinhardts. <laughs> exactly, with giant metal armor. A bunch of Reinhardts. Group. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I think a step up from there is the buzzard which is kind of like a tank. Mm-hmm. And then even further than that is called... Uh, now there's the Romanov class of robots. Right. And those all have like Romanov F, Romanov blah. And those are the ones that I think you said before the buzzard, right? Exactly. They're all classified by whatever attachments they have. Yeah. But after that, I think you get into like, I would almost call them like the boss the boss yeah, level characters. Exactly. The ones that give you a very long health bar at the top. Exactly. And most of them are named. So like when you fight the spoilers, the humanoid kind of version. Whoa. I know. When you fight him, the name on that is was it Phantom Phantom Crystal or something? Yeah, something like that. So they get to be named, they have health bars and they are very hard to take down. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very fun to take down. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially some of those quick time events. Mm-hmm. So yeah. each weapon takes down these different enemies uh, in their own way. And so this is where, Mo, I come back to the disc gun being extremely helpful. When oh, you have okay. those mid-sized golem-type enemies, the Romanoffs and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, uh, using the disc gun, it completely chops their limbs off. So they're, What? It mm. completely chops their limbs off with one disc. And it is amazing because you can just... Pe- by piecemeal, just take them apart so they're just scraps of metal on the ground trying to crawl towards you. Um, and it makes oh my it incredibly gosh. easy to take them down. I might boot this game up and literally just try and Because I, I had never carried the disc gun long enough to try it on any of those guys. I, I just continuously used all the other guns. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, geez. I didn't really use it either. I experimented a lot with the weapons just to figure... I figured, like, there's they're not going to put a bad weapon in here. Like, each of these weapons has to have some use. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, that was the use for the disc gun. Yeah. Every time I found a disc gun around, I'm like, oh, I guess I know what's coming up. I'm going to Isaac Clark everybody yeah, from exactly. Dead Space. Yeah. Well, and just to paint a little bit better picture, too, a lot of those big boss guys, the way you kind of take them down would be you shoot their joints. Because their joints have sensitive areas. Once you shoot the joints, they fall down. They expose their core. The typical boss battle of like most games. But the first step is taking out their joints. If I had, if I should, would have known that disc gun was going to do something. 
Woo. She would have been staying in my pocket. Mm-hmm. What I appreciated is that um, some of the kind of mini bosses, they would actually come out at multiple times in the game. Mm-hmm. And as you upgraded your weapons, like the first encounter with that first big boss, and I, I don't have the name written down here, but that kind of like shell with the two different versions, like the, mm-hmm. the crawl- one that's like a, an octopus or a, a tank, mm-hmm. and then it rolls into like a mech. Yes, exactly. So the first time you like go up against that, it's actually really difficult to defeat them and it takes a while. And yeah. for me, it has like a one-shot kill, which was crazy that some of these enemies had <laughs> one-shot kills, but whatever. It took Mo forever is throwing to take his down. hands up right now. He is. Are you guys talking about the the junk monster no, guy? No, no, not the no, okay, okay. Not okay. The not I'll talk about that one after. Yeah. Right. But uh, you you take him down. And or you you have to take him down. It took me like ten times to get him down. Like I think I died twenty two times total because uh-huh. it tracks all that for you, which I love. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, like as you go later in the game, uh, it takes less and less to take them down. Like the last time I faced one of them, I like killed it no problem because I had upgraded my assault rifle fully. The one that I think was maybe Romanov or whatever class. Do you remember the drill ones? The ones that mm-hmm. drilled underneath the ground. Those were the first ones where, because when I was playing this game, you're taking people down, you're having a little bit of fun, nothing's really giving you anxiety. Those drill guys, as soon as they went underground, you didn't know where they were going. That was the first time I'm like, oh my god, the second I see these guys unloading everything, taking them out right away. Those were the freakiest ones for me that I didn't really enjoy. I shouldn't say didn't enjoy, they 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 spooked me. Mm-hmm. More than I really would have liked. Did you guys have any guys that you kind of did not want to come across? I think for me it was the Argus. I, I just looked it up. That's called the Argus. Uh, had a lot of difficulty with those throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with the Unknown, which Mo, you kind of alluded to. Just um, the absolute worst. Uh, I dreaded the Unknown. I had no issue except the one-shot like grab they had. When yeah. they just come out and grab you and then kill you with one shot, that's the only thing I struggled with. But it moved so fast and it was... It was, it not only moved fast when it was a massive spare robot parts, but it moved so fast when it was a little pair of legs uh, on top, uh, beneath a, a red orb that you had to shoot. Um, and so I, the only way that I knew to take those down was to throw an EMP grenade and get right up close and just unload uh, before it could recover. So leading up to the first time, I think you fight that type of monster. So it's essentially just a big ball of random junk that stay together to it like a center is when you're on that little like platform crawling through and you see it crawling around you. And you, I started shooting at it like wondering, what is that? What is that? Didn't die. And then you drop into that one big area and you start fighting it. Now I had no problem with this just because this was the only like boss, I guess where I used that slow motion attacking. So when you, mm. when you slide down, and you uh, super. So first of all, you have to. You have to when use you EMP. strafe left or yeah. right, uh, you can hold the left trigger and go into a sl- uh, slow mo mode. Yeah, which, which is uses a big some functionality. of your core reactor. Yeah, it's a big like feature of the game, but I never used it throughout the game almost at all, except for this one. So when I threw the EMP grenade and it was exposed, I slid through super slow motion, unloaded one clip of my heavy machine gun. Every time it was out like a light, nothing I could do. Wow. I was completely Man, no, I don't know how you did that because I had a fully upgraded machine gun and I faced a bunch of those and was still uh, having to take it down multiple times to, to finish it. I think I figured it out. What difficulty were you on? Uh, Mo, what difficulty uh, were you on? Easy, <laughs> easy peasy, yeah. beautiful cover girl. <laughs> yeah. So there was uh, four Soft difficulty play. levels. There's casual auto. Uh-huh. There's casual normal hard and then you unlock god hard later yes so what did you play it on i played it on normal and i played it on normal too yes so 
You know how you said soft boy? 100% right. If anyone plays this game, it's almost unplayable on easy. But for me, I was just having a blast, like, shooting, but there was no difficulty. Jacob, you said you died 22 times. I looked it up. I, I died 29 times. Oof. I died four times. <laughs> I so think I it, died closer to Jacob's number than your number, Mo. Yeah, for sure. And the, the thing is, I always usually play games on normal or easy, depending on what it is. If it's too easy, I play it on normal. This game is almost unplayable on easy. It's not even a game. It reminded me of, the, like, when, you know when you go to, like, the movie theater and they have those, like, shooter games where it's, like... You have to shoot, and if you die too much, it's like, press A to continue. Time Crisis 4. Yeah, it's it's that, but you have unlimited lives, and you have no chance of dying, essentially. it's It was really, really easy. If you play it, play it on normal, at least. Yeah, because I, I don't know how long it took you to play Mo, but it took me six hours and three minutes. I love when games give you like all the stats at yeah, the end. I it's love cool. it. How long did it take you, Mo? Wait, did you say six hours? Like, that was your playthrough time that it told you in the ticker? My mission time on the ticker was six hours, three minutes, 36 seconds. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Mine was three and a half minutes. Sorry, three three hours <laughs> and 30 minutes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, and that's crazy. If it So, okay, yeah, that tells you exactly what you want. If you want actually a game that's worth your while, play it on normal. You'll get six hours of gameplay instead of three. Because I know, Mo, you played it like really quickly, like way before me and Mike did. And like you were like, guys, it's like a three-hour game. It's such a breeze. <laughs> I Yeah, I told you guys that to like let you know how much time you had left. So I must have sounded like an idiot saying, hey, play. It's only three hours left. And you guys probably got it to the four-hour mark. And you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's okay. It's all love. How long did it take you to do, Mike? It took me just under five hours. Okay, wow, you were you're good you're good at video games. I I I sped around that game <laughs> on, using that boost as much as I could. Just mm-hmm. and and I I realized that there were a couple of little like hacks that you could do with the enemy AI, which was if there's a big field of enemies in front of you, you don't have to take them out one by one and approach slowly. You just need to get on your boosted little feet and knees and slide to the other end of it and get into cover and take them all out from behind. Uh, and then it very quickly allows you to move forward. Hmm. And see, I would almost debate you there because I know that if you slide ahead too far, a single enemy, even like the lowest grunts, Mm -hmm. a single enemy in this game can kill you. They can, for sure. So if they get like up in your face and Moe's making faces because he's like, I played this on casual. (laughs) Moe's like, nothing killed me. (laughs) Literally, I think the only time I died was was my fault. I murdered everyone. (laughs) I, I didn't have any issues when I went behind enemy lines. Mm. And see, uh, that's where I got killed a bunch. I, I was very, very adamant about making sure I didn't uh, overheat often. Uh, and when I did, I was I tried to make sure that I was well behind cover and didn't have anyone coming near me. Can we address the elephant in the room with the mechanics of the power slide? Isn't this like we're pretty much playing the ultimate limbo game? Because the guy <laughs> slid on his knees with his shoulders back. If, we, if this was a limbo game, he would tear it up. I, well, I don't... I love how low and how flexible and aerobat- uh, acrobatic your your character is, Sam. Uh, I, I thought um, you were going to say, I love how low he can go. <laughs> go down low, all the go. way to the floor. You got <laughs> the apple right. bottom jeans and boots, boots with the boots, fur. Boots with the fur. <laughs> the whole club's looking at Sam. Yeah, and it was a funny mechanic. Just like the way you, when you power slide, it's not like you're riding a surfboard or anything. You're like sliding on your knees, doing the limbo, and you're sliding forward. Surfboard. But it's so good to... to Go Satisfying. up against cover that is extremely loaded to the ground, and your character fits, and he's just, you know, hiding behind absolutely everything. And you feel like, man, this guy knows how to survive. Like, he's not only, 
in this insane suit, but he knows how to position himself to make sure he does not get just utterly chewed up by mm-hmm. some bullets. Yep. Um, can we talk for for a minute about just how insane the levels of this game are? Considering that, like at the very beginning, you see this giant mech, like giant weapon from space, and you're like, okay, cool, we're gonna like get inside of it, and you get inside, and then suddenly there's an entire world. Like it's not just like. It's not like a Disney park or Disney or amusement park. It is like a whole world. And these robots are just tearing it apart. It's on fire. There, are, There's big holes being shot through it. All of the, the asphalt is being destroyed. And somehow, somehow, this is the thing that blows my mind. This this giant weapon is just packed to the gills with these ultra megasaur giant dino um machine weapons that are just shooting lasers that destroy everything in sight all around you but don't tear a hole in the actual tear a hole in the actual thing i mean until very late in the game when something tears a hole but like you're shooting and you're like oh what about the oxygen what if there's a hole in this Uh oh that's my life who knows (laughs) the whole time i was sitting there thinking like how am i still on that spaceship am i still on that weapon that just shot a hole how is there room for like a um like a, a restaurant here how's the room for like a colony why is there this giant like machine that just destroys things in this place what is its purpose how did lieutenant colonel robert burns lose his arm <laughs> that's I don't, a good question I, is he jacks from mortal Kombat? i just don't know he's bionic commando he is bionic he is the bionic commando his wife is his arm everything is canon Including his arm. <laughs> no, it was massive. It, it, it kind of when I first started up the game, like the main menu, how you see the world and like it rolls up. It reminded me of like you know how Halo has that halo that you're like yes walking on. It's the same thing, but it's not just a halo. It's a world, but the similar concept where it's like you're in almost like a the inside of a barrel. Oh, you mean like a halo? <laughs> Don't they call those things halos? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, at, at least like Halo kind of made sense to me because you'd look at the skybox and you would see like, oh, it just it just continues to forever, loop, yeah. right? But in, in this game, it was just like there is no up or down, and just, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. But it's still for like, it, when did you guys say it came out? The the original release of this game, twenty ten. Yeah, it was a, it, when I first played it. I didn't know what originally it came out on because I was playing it on Steam. I immediately said, wow, this looks like good ps3 game like graphics wise <laughs> playthrough wise like the story i'm like this is probably like a when the ps3 came out this is like a mid two three years later type of uh, game and sure enough that's exactly Nailed what it, it is yeah. although to be fair like in, in retrospect there are so many aspects of this game that look really good even today like i, mm. I would not say that it it stands up to the best yeah. but it does look very good it moves it, very well too yes um, I think I think that's what it is. The movability and like the way there was no real hiccups with how we were playing. That kind of made you feel good. But it, it, it is dated, visually dated. There are definitely right. elements. It feels good. Like when when there good. are close ups on the character models, uh, you can tell. Oh, it's pretty low poly. It doesn't have a lot of detail. But I think for the most part, you don't notice it because you're moving so fast. Yeah. And so much of the environment is designed to just have explosions going off around you that look very good. Yeah, they sacrifice fidelity for just amount of things that are happening on screen. And the environments, like you said, are just, they're enormous and they don't need to be detailed because you're just like, oh my God, look at all, look at how far I can look out. Look at the draw distance. Yeah, There's no no fog of war at all. 
they're they're doing this really well. It it does hold up well. Mo, you played it on PC. Did it look better on PC? The PC port just came out a year ago. I had no way of comparing. Like it looked great, but at the same time, you can t- you can tell it was a PS3 game. It's mm-hmm. not like you could have told me this is a PS4 game. If you did, I'd be like, wow, okay, they had they put no effort. <laughs> like they reused assets from like ten years ago. But yeah, it, it looked. When you play the game, you won't care. And you won't really notice that it's an old game unless you're like you really eyeball it and you care about that kind of Mo, stuff. Mo, I've got to ask. When I was playing, I noticed a lot of screen tearing. Um, did you notice that when you were playing on the PC? No, I had no screen tearing whatsoever. So that must um, be something that happens when you're playing backwards compatibility. Jacob, did you notice screen yeah, tearing? Yeah, screen tearing and just like choppy, like not not frames, but like sometimes in cutscenes like half the screen for it for like a millisecond would just like almost like turn a different color really quickly, which I I wouldn't call screen tearing, but it's something very similar to that. There was just some like minor, like glitchy. Yeah. Rough, rough edges on it. But Mm -hmm. because of how quickly it moved and how well it played, I think I excused like the minor technical things. Mm -hmm. Like it's marvelous that we can just pop in a 360 game and an Xbox one and it just works. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what you guys did. You played it on the Xbox One, and it still had some screen tearing? Yeah, it was not enough that I felt like it was uh, hugely detracting, but it was enough that I noticed it. Is it Xbox One enhanced, like Xbox One X enhanced? I don't believe so. Okay. Um, Can I talk about something I didn't like? Sure. The moment-to-moment parts in the story, like, don't matter at all. Oh, this story is complete and utter nonsense. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely zero of this story makes sense. Um... Uh, let's just give a high level of what this story is. Uh, it's a take on the Watchmen and the Ozymandias arc where you have a female president uh, who looks quite a bit like Hillary Clinton um, who pl- uh, coordinates with uh, a Russian separatist group that pulls a coup in Moscow, takes over the military weapon and ends up uh, bombing San Francisco. Everyone in San Francisco's blood boils and they pop and it's gruesome. And they say, never again will this happen. We will go to the base and make sure that it does not happen again. And they don't target uh, any other American cities. You get there with a very, very cranky uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burns, who you find in the interstitial biographies on these characters once had a relationship with this female president. Uh, I totally missed that. Yeah, that was the big sign Same. for me. Like, oh, you're you're giving me this information that doesn't make much sense in the context of this game, Until but later. I guess it's gonna make sense later. And so, uh, what ends up happening is he is very antagonistic towards you because you come to find out you're uh, potentially screwing up the mission, where he is trying to ensure that the bombing happens again and it can unite the United States and make sure that there's a you know. Uh, unified wartime stimulus that happens. As, we need as to do result. it for the economics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not, not no broken window fallacy here at all. Um, but uh, you find out that the president and Robert Burns, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burns have been working together and coordinating to allow this to happen. And you get, I think to the end of act four and um, this revelation becomes clear and you suddenly have to fight Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burns. Uh, and while, while you fight him and all of the Marines that were suddenly, you know, not on your side anymore. And again, suddenly very capable, 
uh, it all comes back to fighting the guy at the very end of the game who led this Russian separatist movement uh, and, and is now the leader of Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the Lieutenant Burns or whatever, they kind of, I don't know if you guys kind of caught it earlier on, but they kind of give you those clues uh, without, throughout the story and the dialogue that maybe he is going to be a bad guy. In particular, he's always about, like you said, Mike, finishing the mission, progressing, never like caring about anything. And it puts you in those situations where you're kind of, you have to advance forward and Burns is like, just leave them behind referring to the He's Marines. He's always in your willing to just let Marines die. Yeah. And then you catch it. You're like, what is it? Is this what the Marines do? And they get, Burns is like, it's all about finishing the mission. It's all about finishing the mission and progressing. And that's where they kind of start clashing more and more closer to the end. And you can see it like the relationship kind of coming to some kind of conclusion later on. And that's after when you notice, okay, we have to fight the big guy. He's the one that's actually keeping the story moving. But then at the last minute, like he, you, oh, yeah. you oh defeat my him. Makes no sense. And then he's oh, like, complete, you, you beat me. You win, Sam. You win, Sam. And then he just lets him like yeah. go ahead and potentially yeah. screw his mission. Yeah. Even though he's romantically involved with the president who like, that's where his allegiance should lie. Just the story is bad. Like, that, that was the worst complete like, change of a story. The, one of the few things like, the story is bad, but the character motivations kind of make sense. Like you understand yeah. why everyone is is like doing the things that they're doing. Um, the just story isn't well told, mm-hmm. um, which I, I'll give them props because it's better than I think most game stories get to. They they usually do a poor job setting up motivations and, and having that be consistent throughout. Fair, but, but I, I think of a yeah. game like Have you guys played Binary Domain? Either of you? I have not. I know who Big Bo is, though. Big Bo? Mo, have you played uh, Binary Domain? So it's a game that was developed by, I believe, the Yakuza team. I could be wrong on that, but it's another one published by Sega. It came out two years after this game, after Vanquish, and it actually deals with a lot of the same themes and uh, like character types, the president's involved, it's, gov- it's govern- governmental governmental there you go that's the word um and just uh, the the intrigue and the actual layers to the story are just they're just much better so i know that a game that kind of hits on this that game's different it's about like robots and humans humanoids being together racism against robots like it's different but at the same time it's similar and i'm like i know that a story in this vein could be better told Though the one thing that kind of when as soon as i saw that complete change of heart from lieutenant burns and the crazy awkwardness of it the first thing I thought of was it could have been like a story was written in a different language, uh, maybe Japanese or anything else, and it was converted to English, and then the voice actors came in and voiced it in English with a similar storyline. It's the only thing I could make it redeem itself in no. any way, but no. I couldn't tell. No. no, so what I would say is I've read a lot of stories that were initially written in Japanese, for example, that are good stories in English. Like Correct. I would, I would point to Haruki Murakami, who has a great example of someone who writes in Japanese but translated. I think you can blame bad dialogue, which there's quite a bit of bad dialogue in this game, um, on, on a translation. But I feel like stories are something that transcend language. Yeah, I think it was probably localized fine, but yeah. the, the actual story itself is not good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, kind of the, the the two things that kind of if me a little bit was like. The I and I know this is again a game developed in Japan, but like the skirt shots of like oh. Elena, it's like whoop. I'm like I don't. Need At least that. it was only bad like once. It was like no, that's, once or twice. Yeah, that's that's so anime. Yeah, um, it's, totally. it's, it's, I, it's, I've so I've I watch a couple of the animes. Um, 
the big major ones, Dragon Ball Z or Naruto and things like that. And there's for some reason they all have some kind of like twist like that where they they kind of show the up the the, the skirt or whatever it may be. It's it's weird. I think it's just that's the the storytelling or the the passive aggressive. Get out of like, here, Mo. I don't Get know, out man. Of here. Stop trying to justify that nonsense. I think if like if there was a and it's again, creepy and weird. Japanese game development culture is very different than North American, very uh-huh. different yeah, than exactly. European. But at the same time, the only woman on the whole team was the lead composer. Like there is not a single woman. Oh, who I disagree. This. There you go. <laughs> no, no, I totally disagree. Did you play the credit sequence at the end of the game? I did. There are so many women, specifically background artists. Mm. Like so much of the background artists. You sure? Yeah, positive. Okay, but like, I was surprised just men. how many women there were. It was like ninety. I was going to make a note of that. Ninety-three <laughs> percent men, though, still right. I actually don't believe it was no? that that many that oh, skewed. I'm gonna look at it later. Yeah, definitely check check it out. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I definitely agree with you that those, the very anime, uh, you know, low low butt shots were unnecessary. Yeah, and then there was a love sequence at the end. Just like, of course, they're going to fall in love. Elena and him, like, embrace, don't Do they? they? I don't think they kiss, but, like, there's, like, they're on the ship together, and then they embrace. Really? I thought that's what I, happened. Okay, maybe I missed that, because I remember it being extremely awkward that she was upset that she believes Sam dies and then he appears on the ship and he so runs weird. up to her and they're like not hugging. And I was like, <laughs> why are you not? You're just so upset that this dude died. Like, why aren't you holding them close? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of interesting things about this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was so weird. I was like, Oh my God, Sam, Sam, he's dead. He exploded. The thing is burning to a crisp and he just walks on. Like she has no censorship, like uh, sensors on board to like recognize when there's an intruder or someone coming on board. That was another really weird ending of the story where it just didn't make sense, but you're like, ah, the story didn't make sense. Absolutely. Whatever. Absolutely. I'm totally on board with that, Mo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of... I just had one other comment before we get to the end. Uh, the UI, I don't think, is great. Um, like, I don't yeah. know if it was the color or the way it was designed, but I feel like there's probably a better way that that could have been laid out. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Did the job. You could tell what weapon you had equipped. You could tell how much ammo you had left, how many grenades you had of what type. I think one of the few things that it did well uh, that I did like was you could tell how much damage you had taken and how close you were to overheating, not by looking at the overheating bar, which I don't think I realized was there until halfway through the game, but just by looking at the suit of your character. I just can't believe, Mo, that you didn't realize that you could use slowdown until like almost mm-hmm. most of the way through the game. I used it more than sliding almost. Yeah, I I not I wasn't I didn't mean I didn't use it at all um and didn't know about it. I absolutely knew about it cuz the tutorial showed you it. And there's some instances where I kind of I started slowing down time just to change up the way I was playing the game, especially with like some of the bad guys. I felt like when you did slow down the game and you were aiming at the joints, you could put more damage into them. Absolutely. I used it then and there, but I didn't use it as a particular tactic to take down an enemy until that little rolling ball of junk. Where like, <laughs> I, I felt like as soon as I threw that EMP grenade, I just wanted to take it down quick because it was too fast and didn't want to continue the fight. The big bosses, I was fine prolonging the fight because it was pretty cool kind of taking them down piece by piece. I, I, again, it's one of those things that you shouldn't look too closely at, but when you slow down time, your gun shoots faster. You're able to get a full clip into uh, whatever it is that you're shooting and reload and get another halfway through within the half second that it's supposed to take. Um, but again, and, video game logic. Don't look at it too closely and everything will be cool. Yeah, no, I felt like the game mechanically was sound. It was 
easy to get through, no real issues. I feel like with all of us, we're saying the biggest issue was just the weird storyline at some points, but it wasn't something that's going to kind of throw the game away from us. I think we all had a pretty goodish time. I think when the game, when the when the story is central to the experience and the story like misses, that's when I'm like really critical. But because like yeah. this is just like a schlocky, Absolutely. hokey like tech. America government story. Like, I'm just like, okay, cool. It's about the game mechanics. 100%. And yeah. it nails it 100%. And um, they just offer enough dressing that you have a desire to continue to play. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts uh, before we move to the end of the show. Mo, we'll start with you. Um, Yeah, I thought it was a great game we played. Um, it's... Uh, I. If don't pay full price for it, like I added 22 bucks, but if you have it on sale, if it's in your Steam library, it's, it's a nice download... It's a nice mindless shooter where you can just kind of keep playing through, powering through. You don't have to be too attached to the story. You'll have a good time playing it. It's not dated. It still holds itself up in 2018, um, but it's not the best game out there. It's one of those things, if it's available, play it. If it's not, eh, you're not going to lose much sleep if you haven't played this before. I really enjoyed my time with it. I think if you like the Ninja Gaiden games, if you like um, the Devil May Cry series, if you like those very fast action-based either shooters or um, action games, if you like Years of War. This would be a great game to take a look at, to try out, especially if you own an Xbox and have it free with Games with Gold, um, or if you can get it cheap on a Steam sale. I think it's definitely worth the time, uh, and there's a lot to be had there. Yeah, I have one comment, one story, and then we'll wrap it up here. I pop into a lot of discords, and over the last little bit, in every one of them, I've been like, oh yeah, I'm playing uh, Vanquish, and everyone is always like, man, Vanquish is so good. There's not a single person that I've talked to that either it's either I don't know what Vanquish is, or man, Vanquish is such a good game. And I really hoped that this E3, we'd get a Vanquish too, because... It would make sense. Like, just get the Yakuza guys who'd like do that crazy bananas nonsense, make a game in conjunction with Platinum Games, Sega publishes, put out this game, like, sell it. It's, it's, a, it's money. I think it's so funny that you say that because I got messages from people that I have not talked to a while on Xbox Live reaching out and messaging me saying, I love that game so much. And it's not a conversation that we've had in a long time, but they love that game so much that they reached out just to, to let me know how much they enjoyed it. Man, if there is a sequel to this game, it's going to be really good. Because just because this game came out so long ago, it's fine. It holds up well, like we said, but if we get like a 2019 or 2018 Vanquish 2, the mechanics are going to be amazing. Visuals are going to be incredible. And we might actually get a story. Yeah. Let's just hope, guys. So the story that I have to tell as we close the show is I went into an EB Games. A, it's the Canadian version of GameStop about two or three days ago. I was looking for a charger for the 3DS. I walk in there, and a guy who's like maybe 17, he's a store clerk, he walks up to me. He's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, here we go. So he's like, can I help you with anything? I was like, no, I'm just looking. He's like, what are you playing right now? So I said, I went right into my podcast mode, and I was like, well, <laughs> let me tell you about Vanquish, developed by Platinum Games published by sega you were uh, practicing i was practicing for this and like went on my like pitch of like do you like platinum games do you like frenetic action do you like shooting things like you will love this game and he's like oh wait they they did the bayonetta and <laughs> and i'm like yeah he's like i love that game i've never heard of this i'm like do yourself a favor if you have an xbox one go grab this game you can get it for super cheap play it on your Xbox One, you will thank me later. And he just, at the end of it, like, took his badge, and he's like, do you want to take my job? (laughs) So I sold at least one copy of Vanquish, and hopefully we'll sell more, because this game's fantastic. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. 
So that's the end of the show. Michael, uh, we've got a Discord channel that we've talked about a few times. Yeah. So, so if you want to join some like-minded folks who also enjoy games like this and discussions around them, uh, you should go to leftbehindgame.club, and there's a link right in the middle of the homepage to take you right to our Discord, where there is a fantastic community of some very kind-hearted folks who are constantly dropping deals of amazing old games or older games uh, to play. Um, and some really good discussions around them. Uh, I think one of the highlights of the Discord for me was the discussions that ha- happened in there around E3 and talking about all of the older games that they would want to see a sequel to and some of the games that were announced in the and the influences that they clearly had on them. Um, Mo, where can the people find us at? Uh, you can find us at leftbehindgame.club on the web, and you can find myself personally at emmertati on all social media platforms. And if people wanted to leave us a review on iTunes, how would they go about doing that? Oh, they can hop on iTunes, listen to our podcast, and give us a review right on there. Perfect. Uh, you can find me at RufaloM, most places online, or MichaelRufalo.com. And Jacob, where can the people find you at? People can find me at Jacob McCourt on pretty much everything, or find me at JacobMcCourt.com. Before you say that famous, famous close that you usually end with, Michael, I just want to say happy first anniversary, guys. We've done happy anniversary, anniversary, folks. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Is that an actual song? Did you make that? That is the song song, now. Uh, We've done 35 episodes. We've done one year of content. Uh, To everyone listening, thank you so much for your support. Uh, We couldn't have done it without you. And uh, I don't know what I'd do without you guys. Yeah, we we have a giveaway going right now, right, Jacob? We do. It closes on Friday. Uh, You can find those details on all of our social media. Uh, We have a Gleam contest for giving away 10 games for free to anyone who listens. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, that's, that's kind of what's going on there. Great. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind. <laughs>